Welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potts, your host, a visual arts teaching artist. so much for listening. It means so much to me that you are tuning in and taking in these stories of teaching artists. If you would like to join me in community, come to the Art Educators Lounge. This is a monthly Zoom meeting that I facilitate with Victoria J. Fry of Visionary Art Collective. It's always on the last Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, and whatever time that means for you. So bring your coffee if you're over here on the West Coast with me, or bring a little snack maybe if you're joining us more at lunchtime. This month, we are hosting artist talks from five artists in our community. I am so excited to hear about their work and offer feedback and encouragement on their talks. We had a free submission process to present, and we do plan to facilitate this type of meeting again. So if you are interested in presenting your work through an artist talk, but you missed the call this time, you can keep an eye out for the next round. And if you join our mailing list or follow us on Instagram at Teaching Artist Podcast, that's a great way to stay in the loop. You can also follow at Play Inspire Gallery on Instagram, which is our relatively new gallery account. I hesitated for a while in making a separate account for the gallery, mainly because I just didn't want to be managing more social media pages. But we did it, and we've begun hosting studio visits in connection with our current show titled Rise over there. So I'm grateful for your follows and for helping us spread the word. If you haven't checked out the exhibit yet, you can visit playinspiregallery.com to see it. Okay, let's get on with the episode. Each week, I'm sharing a featured artist as well as a guest interview. I'll share a bit about the featured artist here as well as sharing images of their work on Instagram and on the website. This week's featured artist is Marianne Worrell. She's an artist and educator who employs diverse disciplines, subject matter, and tactics in devising works that can generate different kinds of knowledge of landscape, our place in it, and our responsibility to the growing need for reform. Her work explores the interactive potential of art as a research tool and its capacity for social and environmental change. Morrill creates installations, sculpture, and mixed-media artworks. She investigates the dynamics of the plight of food resources, including manipulations by large corporations and governments, climate change and personal responsibilities, and details the limitations of these resources in a multi-layered system, which may involve the viewer to explore the subject in a physical manner. And she says about the work that we're showing, which is her newest work, 
After collecting plastic waste for over a year, I have begun to build wearable sculptures which speak to the outrage of plastics filling our oceans and landfills. After many years, these plastics are breaking down into microparticles. These particles are now being found in our fish, water, sea salt, poultry, etc. We haven't learned what the effects of ingesting microplastics might be. This series focuses on the negative impact of one-use plastics. And she is donating 15% of any sales of prints to the Ocean Conservancy, working to save the world's oceans. So we will be sharing Marianne's work on social media and on our blog at teachingartistpodcast.com. This work is so powerful and her topic is so important. Go check it out. And if you would like to be featured, you can submit your work at teachingartistpodcast.com slash opportunities. This week's episode is with Jill Forey. Jill talked about how she started and runs her custom sneaker business, Sink or Swim Kicks, alongside her teaching. She shared tips and encouragement for teaching on a cart and really advocating for yourself. Jill also talked about anti-racist pedagogy and the importance of acknowledging her whiteness and both recognizing and celebrating the cultural differences present in her classroom. I loved the idea of realizing how many micro decisions we make as artists during the creative process, but also how those begin as more macro decisions that become intuitive through repetition. Jill Forey is a Los Angeles-based artist and teacher and a proud native New Yorker. Jill is the sole, pun slightly intended, owner and operator of her custom footwear business, Sink or Swim Kicks, which she founded as an art ed student in 2009. Sink or Swim has opened many opportunities for Jill, including magazine interviews, TV appearances, celebrity clients, and more, but she always identifies as an educator first and a working artist second. She has been an art educator for 10 years and has a strong passion for providing equitable art education to her students. Jill finds that the arts can be the great equalizer in schools and aims to challenge traditional approaches to art education. Her aim is to mobilize art both literally and figuratively into all spaces. Through her work, not only as an artist, but as a business owner and educator, she aims to inspire her students to follow their own path and acknowledges the power of representation and celebrates the story of every student who enters her class. Let's hear from Jill. So I am here with Jill Forey, and I am excited to hear about your teaching, art making, and the business that you run. Maybe we could start with just a little bit of background. So I always like to ask, how did you become both a teacher and an artist? Awesome. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm really, good morning. really excited. I'm excited to talk to you about this because like, you know, we're always talking with, with kids, which I, I love doing, but it's nice to talk about like your, your life as an artist outside of yeah. that realm. So this is really cool. Oh man, my origin story. Is like, oh. Right. <laughs> it's funny because the teaching and the, the business started pretty much at the exact same time. Um, 
completely unintentionally, right? So I, I I was in college and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was just um, a friend of mine whose mom is an art teacher had suggested me going into art education. And I was just like, oh, yeah, maybe. Like it wasn't like this like calling <laughs> passion for me, which I was proven that it should have been all along. But, you know, I went into the art ed program in 2009. I was halfway through college and then it just clicked. And then at the same time, you know, being a college student, I was like, you know, this is a lot of work, but I also need to make money. And Mm. at that point, I was just kind of like doodling on sneakers and like doodling on stuff like on my own clothing, just, you know, us artist types, (laughs) like (laughs) just just draw on stuff. And then, you know, so my business is I I paint and sell custom sneakers. And then that's kind of where it started was in college on my own stuff. And then I made a pair of shoes for myself. And then a friend would ask. And then I'd make a pair for them. And then it kind of just snowballed into uh, Mm. a business. And I was like, you know, this is 2009. So I made a MySpace page. (laughs) And uh, I I love it. Yeah, I was like, let's see what happens with this. And it's kind of been sustaining itself ever since. So that's been a blessing in disguise. Yeah, that's amazing. And so then you finished the art ed program and started teaching and kept kept making the custom sneakers. Yeah, I, I joke that the custom sneakers have gotten me every job I've ever had. Uh, <laughs> just because it's funny how, you know, a lot of, you know, I don't want to say this for every teacher. Art teachers are probably an exception because we do make a lot of work. But there's a lot of teachers who don't necessarily practice what they preach in, in a way. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that in, like a, in, a, in a negative way. I just mean, you know, teaching is a lot, right? It's mm-hmm. a huge undertaking and it, you lose the time to like kind of focus on your own work. So I've always made sure to make that a priority as well. And, you know, when you're in college, you're making a ton of work, you know, it's a part of the, the curriculum. And I, when I finished the art ed program, yeah, I, did, I got hired right away. I was 22 years old and teaching high school. So that was, I still think that was wild. <laughs> but it was so much fun. And it was such an amazing opportunity. And I just decided to like bring the sneakers and that my knowledge of that into the classroom with me. And mm-hmm. And that kind of like hooks kids, right? Like, so like everybody wears shoes. Um, Everybody has some sort of fashion sense, regardless of what your aesthetic is, you have a certain taste and something. And yeah, it's been kind of coexisting together the entire time. Mm -hmm. And it was totally unintentional, right? So like, it's weird how things kind of work out that way. Yeah. So do you have students also like design sneakers in class? Yeah, I've, I've done it. Yeah. I've gotten less ambitious, I would say, over the years, just because it's a it's a trial and error thing. So, like, mm. you know, you, kids want to do it. And of course, well, actually, the first thing I say is, can you paint a pair of shoes for me? And I'm like, <laughs> <"No."> <laughs> so, and I, I tell them, I'm like, one, I'm, you know, I, I, I want you to do it, right? The point is that I'm here to teach you how to do something. And they're, they're like, mm. well, look, it's good. And it's like, that's the point, though, right? Like, I mean, I didn't start out knowing what, what I was doing. And then that's the whole kind of foundations of art education to begin with right like make mistakes make Mm -hmm. a bunch of terrible terrible work like I have paintings of mine from when I first started of paint like painting in general besides obviously as a kid but like you know my when I first started like learning how to paint I keep them because I love them they're awful they're so bad (laughs) like it's it's so nice to to, like witness growth as an artist I think Mm. my kids like they don't agree with me at first at all. <laughs> but then once they see it and like I, I kind of embed that in the, the, the year for them to watch themselves grow, it's like it's really, really rewarding. So when it comes to like shoes, I'm like, hey, if you want to work together after school and bring in a pair, because I'm not going to have 30 kids bring in some stinky pairs of shoes because they're, go <laughs> they're, they're never going to go out and buy new ones. 
So like, if you want, like we've done it with like an art club type of thing. We've done it um, like digitally where we do like mock-up drawings. And then if, sometimes they go home and they actually do it themselves. And uh, I have two students from, well, students, they're kind of the students. They're like in their twenties now. Um, <laughs> from when I first started teaching who, who do it as well. Like they, they custom paint seekers and they're like in this little world with me now. So it's cool. Oh, that's really cool to see that like kind of come full circle like that. For sure. Oh. Yeah, and, and I'm like, you guys are better than me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I love also what you said about, you know, making mistakes and growing and the resistance to that. Like, you know, that's the hard, hard part when you're you're making something and you have this vision in your head, like, I want it to be this. And you're just not there yet. It's not going to be what you want it to be. <laughs> that's so hard. Like, I can yeah. totally see that resistance. For sure. And like, I mean, that's still how I am as an artist. Like, people are always like, right. like how do you how do you do this? Like, don't you get nervous? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you, I will have a subject in front of me. I'll have all the materials ready to go. And then I had this moment where I'm like, how the heck am I going to do this? <laughs> and then, mm. but that's the thing is, <laughs> yeah. as an artist, instead of, not doing it or overthinking it I'm like just throw yourself into it and then you'll, fi mm. you'll figure it out along the way right like things are definitely going to go wrong 99% of the time it doesn't turn out how it was in my head but it still turns out in a way that I'm I'm okay with or I'm proud of right right my favorite thing about art making is all those like micro decisions throughout mm. that you're not even actually conscious of I like took a time to notice it one day and I was like this is crazy like I'm like I would wonder like what like a brain scan looks like <laughs> Ooh, that would be so interesting. I wonder if there's been that study. Yeah, I've seen it with musicians. And there's this huh. one crazy, this is like totally off topic, but there's this one video <laughs> watch of this woman who was getting brain surgery, but she was playing, I think it was a violin while, and she was like, she didn't want that part of her brain to be affected by the surgery. Wow. It was, it was like lighting up while she was playing. It's crazy. I was like, it has to happen during art making too. Yeah. Yeah. And I love thinking about that, you know, like you're saying those micro decisions that maybe when we were young, when we were just learning, those were all macro decisions. Those were big things we had to choose. And now, you know, it, it slowly becomes like, oh, I just, you know, intuitively kind of know which colors are going to look good together and, you know, whatever, all these little things. For sure. And that's why I think like, I mean, I teach little ones now. So I'm with kindergartners uh, through eighth graders. And with the little guys, I'm like, just just go like, right? Like, obviously, <laughs> it's structured, but it's it's very rooted in in play and experiment. And, you know, my, my, my budget is limited, and I don't have a room. Mm -hmm. So like, play definitely Ooh. has parameters and experiments definitely have like certain limits on them but I still want them to have that space to just like yeah like what happens when I mix all the colors together oh I'm not going to do that again because <laughs> <laughs> right. then, then they get upset they're like I'm, this is not how I look and, and I was like well you know I'll guide them of course I, I don't mm -hmm. want it to be like a total free-for-all but I'd rather them feel it like yeah because then it's that macro decision becomes micro eventually. It's this intuitive, like, oh, wait, I already know what's going to happen if I try this. And there's, it's so different to tell them, like, it's not going to be a rainbow, it's going to end up brown, than for them to see that this is, oh, yeah, this is what happens. Yeah, exactly. And, and we've all witnessed it where there's, you know, a wall of these beautiful rainbows, and then there's the two that are like this muddy, whatever, but then I'm still like, that one's going up too like yep. oh yeah you, you figured something out there <laughs> yes oh I love that 
Like this is evidence of learning, evidence of, you know, figuring out a process. For sure. I just like, it's, it's always rooted in this something my dad had told me when I was younger, when I was like, yeah. trying to figure out what I was doing with my life. And he was just like, you are always so focused on making sure you're having fun. And I feel like you need to have, and not in like a, like a misguided type of way, just in like a, I like I, the joy in like everything has to be rooted in like fun and like, but like also getting things done. And I was just like, that's how I always bring my lessons in is like, mm. okay, we're going to learn something, but also like, how are we going to have a good time with this? Yeah. And that's so important now, especially. Yeah, definitely now more than ever. Uh, I, I have to remind myself of that. Jeez. Yeah. Ugh. Cause you're also in LA where we've been on lockdown now for about a year. <laughs> yeah. Have you been teaching online, teaching remotely this entire time? I know some districts have gone partially back, sort of hybrid style. Yeah, we've been fully virtual since mm -hmm. last March. Yeah, I've hit the year mark since I've, oh. I've been at the school just to like grab things. Like my calendar still says March 2020 on it. <laughs> like, wow. Um, but we've been fully virtual the whole time. And this has shifted my teaching practice and my reflection, like, deep reflection as a teacher, like as a whole, I mean, how can it not, right? Like given, right. given the circumstances, you know, virtual is, I was so resistant to it at first. I mean, obviously what choice did I have, but I was very like, really upset about it, right? Like not necessarily in the way that like, I totally understand why we're doing it. I'm not going to not do it, but it was just, it was so heartbreaking because my teaching is so rooted in relationships Mm -hmm. And like the physical being and the physical art making. So I was just like, okay, how do I still be that teacher from afar, from a screen? And I was like really right. like kind of beating myself up about it because I just didn't feel for the first time in 10 years of teaching, I was like, oh my God, am I good enough at this? Like, can I do this? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. it was a very bizarre thing because like anybody who knows me, especially in the teaching world is like, you know, I'm, I'm, I love what I do. I'm really, I'm really, I'm really sure of it. And this was the first time where I was just like, uh Oh, <laughs> mm -hmm. like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I hope I can, you know, deliver for the, for these. Yeah. And, uh, I think that was a collective. Uh Oh, <laughs> for, oh, absolutely. And like, uh. that's the beautiful thing has been like connecting with teachers, like even in platforms like this, like outside of my own school, because, you know, you can get mm -hmm. into your bubble of like what your school does. Like every school is so different. And like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really, really blessed with where I work. But I just, I'd love to hear what like other art teachers are doing, especially because we're like the misunderstood group as it is in, in schools. <laughs> so then you add this platform to it and you're just like, oh my God, nobody understands. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so how did you kind of figure out or have you, have you figured anything out in this year? What has oh. worked? What has not worked? I'm a very like on the seat of my pants type of teacher, like let's, you know, which obviously there's an argument against that, but that's just my style is like, let's, let's figure it out in the moment or just a couple of days beforehand. Um, yeah. I just like to kind of cater to whatever the situation is and like adapt to it. Mm -hmm. I definitely have not figured it out. I've, but I have felt better about it as a part of like growth mindset, right? Like I feel mm -hmm. like we're observing the kids as best as I'm able to in a way that works for them as well. And I've just been like connecting with other teachers a lot more, like, and not even mm. just our teachers, right? I like just been, you know, really getting into diving into these Facebook groups or, you know, there's these Instagram celebrity type teachers and just kind of like, and, and not even going focusing on like the big following types, like just looking at what other people are doing out there and realizing, yeah, mm -hmm. like there is this collective, like we need to uplift each other because no one knows what's going on. So like it kind of like levels the playing field, which is nice. Not that there's a competition, 
yeah, having the collective empathy is really is really important. And on top of mm-hmm. that, I've been working on national boards for the last two years or last mm-hmm. year. So that has been this added like, oh my God, there's just this endless weight. <laughs> and that must be really tricky now too. I know there was, I don't know if there still is like a sort of video component where you're supposed to be like filming yourself teach. So how does that work yeah. virtually? I'll let you know because it's due in May and I have not taken the video yet. Um, Because what what happened with that was actually I was supposed to submit that last spring. And literally the day I was supposed to take the video, like something happened with the class that I was working with. And I was like, okay, we'll do it next week. What Mm -hmm. happened? The world shut down. So I didn't even have this. You have to have have two. So luckily when COVID hit, National Boards was like, okay, we're going to like level with you guys. Like we understand that this is a crazy situation. They've been really adaptable, luckily, and like extending deadlines and like giving you like a year to defer if you need to. So with this Mm -hmm. component, yeah. So now you have to record it with your kids virtually. And that is so intimidating to me. Cause like I said, my, like, I was like, Oh, the video is going to be the easiest part. I'll shine with like relationship building and like all the, like the way that we do things in the classroom. And now it's like, okay, I have to switch this small group thing and Google me and get this going and like, make sure this kid is with you. And I'm like, Oh God. But you know what? I feel like this is the way that teaching is going in general. There's this much Mm. more technology rooted part of teaching that I think is going to stick, not necessarily full time virtual. So I'm like, I got to get on board with this anyway. So Mm -hmm. much to my dismay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I have struggled a lot too with, like, I had kind of just made the shift towards TAB, teaching for artistic behavior, Uh towards more choice, towards having the classroom really be a studio with centers set up all around, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like materials available. So making that shift to, okay, there's no studio, there's no materials. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't, I don't want to like dictate all your choices, but I don't know how to do this. (laughs) Yeah, it's really difficult. And I think this is the one time that I have been grateful for my art on a cart experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, I'm not at work right now but like I've, I've noticed that a lot of schools have done this overhaul of like not having an art room and a lot of teachers have been forced out of their rooms and to do yeah. art for sanitary reasons or or whatever had like whatever the school needs and I was like you know I've been <laughs> witnessing people who went from like the studio practice and these beautiful rooms to like on a card uh. like how do I do this? And that's when like, that's when I was able to come in and be like, here's some practices, here's some things that you can do for on a cart. Because when you hear mm-hmm. that when you get hired, and you're like, Oh, by the way, you don't have a classroom, you're gonna be art on, <sighs> art on a cart, which the phrase makes me like eye twitch, because it sounds bad. But like, it's really like, it's you can make it awesome, mm-hmm. if you're willing to and like, I like having those limitations within my teaching. I like knowing mm. like, okay, I don't have this. So I have to make this happen, right? Like because of whatever obstacle, if you will, is in my way. So like that's yeah. just like my teaching style is like, you know, we only have this much money for this and then it's not going to be in a room and we're still going to make it happen because we're going to come up with all these creative ways. And I think that is also part of the art ed experience, right? Like, you know, you have to, well, art making in general, like sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't have this material or this space to use. So like, and you still want to make something, you better still make it because that's going to serve your soul. That's going to help, you know, they'll get you where you want to go. Yeah. And it's all about creative problem solving. There it is. That's what I was looking for. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's, yeah. Yes, totally. And I would love to hear, especially for any listeners who are teaching from a cart, what are some of your tips? It's not that bad. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Um, so not only I'm on a cart, but I'm also between two different buildings. Um, mm-hmm. So I luckily I don't cart. I don't wheel the thing up the hill every day. When I was actually in school, I had two carts. One thing nice. is advocating, <laughs> advocating for yourself is the biggest thing. As an art teacher, mm-hmm. everyone always assumes that you just like kind of have it covered. You're kind of like you're the lone wolf. Like you have your other electives or specials teachers that you kind of meet with. But even when you meet like content wise, you don't really relate or you can just kind of like, mm-hmm. but like there's no, there's no crossover really. So the biggest thing is rooted in like relationship building with classroom teachers mm-hmm. because you don't have to be everybody's best friend, of course, but like you have to have this mutual understanding and respect of like, even though I'm entering your quote unquote room from this time to this time, like during that time, it's my room, mm-hmm. right? Like, and not in like, a, Oh, I'm going to mess up your stuff. And like, but like, please make sure you have this designated space for me to store some work, even if it is right. like, the smallest part of a bookshelf that you can just leave things. Please understand like, this stack of paintings is drying. I'm going to be back in that it's drying when those kids are out of the room during lunch. I'll be back in later. I'll stack them up. I'll get them out of your way. But right now they're going to be in the way. Sorry. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> there is this mutual respect that definitely has to happen with classroom teachers. I've been extremely fortunate in the sense that like, you know, one thing we say as a staff is always assume best intentions mm-hmm. and which is very hard to do. I'm sure across schools, like I said, I'm really blessed with where I am. So that's always has never really been a problem of like, people being like, Oh, the art teacher came in and ruined my room. Have I done? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Things have spilled things have happened. But you know, it's still just this best intention of like, no, she knows that like, this is going to get taken care of. The kids know that it's going to get taken care of as well. Like they have to also have ownership over that. So like I treat it for that 50, 55 minutes. Like that's my room. Mm -hmm. Um, The same way I would want somebody to do that for me. Like if I had an art room still, which I had back in the day, like, you know, treat, you know, just mutual respect. Yeah. And then also you can really make a sink out of anything. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I have have this bucket system. It's so, so sad. But like, I have gotten so used to it. I even got gotten offered to use like this room with the the sink temporarily. Like it was like a multi-purpose room. I'm like, no, my bucket system works. It's cool. (laughs) Like, (laughs) just like you can fill up a bucket. You have a bunch of like pre-wet paper towels for, um, hand washing and you know just you just make it work and kids you if you implement good systems you'll be okay a lot of yeah thousand repetitions yeah and then like adjusting as you go oh yeah there's been a lot of trial and error for sure Mm -hmm. yeah and I think it's like the kids are on board if you're on board you know if if you're Mm -hmm. willing to make mistakes in front of them they'll be like I think kids love it when you make mistakes like and I I don't mean that in like a haha gotcha type of way but they're like you know you look up at your teachers like they know everything right and then I remember going into an education program and being like, oh, my God, most of my teachers probably taught themselves the lesson like two years before they actually <laughs> knew it. And like, we're all thinking these people are so brilliant, like which educators are to, to an extent, obviously, but we're also humans, right? Like we, we, mm-hmm. we got to figure things out. So I like showing that the messy side of things to the kids as well. Like just full honesty, full transparency. Yeah, that's there's something beautiful about that. So I had two schools and one had a beautiful classroom and one was on a cart. And I feel like, you know, the on a cart, there was also something really exciting about 
you're coming down the hall and the kids can maybe like hear the card a little bit or they like yeah. peek out the window like they know that you're you're coming and there's that excitement kind of building and then it's like are the art teachers here <laughs> oh yeah it, I mean getting that cart it's like you almost feel like a celebrity sometimes right <laughs> totally like, I like stare at, like, like wave like Miss America like yeah. <laughs> it's nice though because like the you know I feel like it's a collective across any school any grade level like there is such an appreciation for the art teacher, right? Like not to put us on a pedestal, but like we're usually the, the most the popular in the schools once the kids go like, and it, it feels nice because it's like, you know, you, you don't necessarily, I mean, I think obviously you absolutely need it in schools, but people who make legislation and people who are, you know, in the corporate end of education don't necessarily think it's a necessity. And it's like, mm -hmm. if they could just witness what it does for a child's even social emotional needs, mm -hmm. forget like learning the foundations and becoming the next famous artist. Like that is so for me beneath the surface as far as like needs go mm -hmm. um, but like if you watch how that supports a child's growth as a person mm -hmm. it wouldn't be a question whether it should be in schools or not across the board. right absolutely and just all I mean like we were talking about earlier the creative problem solving as well like oh that's, yeah absolutely. yeah you know, I mean, there's, there's so there's much so much <laughs> the yeah skills the higher level questioning like all of it it's, mm -hmm. it's so embedded in it but like my root of my teaching priorities is always just how do I make them feel like more of who they are, mm -hmm. right? Not necessarily who I want them to be or, um, or anything like that, but just like the overall social emotional needs is always at the, the forefront for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess along those lines, like thinking about, you know, the protests that happen, George Floyd's murder, all of the things that happened this year to kind of push this idea of anti-racist um, pedagogy into like more into the mainstream. How do you approach all of that, especially with the younger grades? What's been your take on kind of sharing current events or even just developing an anti-racist classroom? I love that because that's been a priority of mine always, right? Um, mm -hmm, I've, I've worked right. in a lot of different demographics in my, uh, when I started, even I was pretty outspoken. Um, political art in general is one of my favorite types of art, art and mm -hmm. art is always rooted in political movements for sure. And I think, you know, there's no question, there's no like, oh, I'm bringing my politics into school. I'm, I'm forcing my, my opinion on these kids. Absolutely not. This is just a fact, right? There mm -hmm. is no political movement that has ever happened that did not have art at the forefront, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's signs, whether it's propaganda, whatever, it's uh, it's there, whether you want it to be or not. Um, and, you know, I've been in schools where there's definitely a lot more privilege and people are like, yo, stay in your lane. Like, don't bring mm -hmm. this stuff up. And then you have parents who will come after you. I've, you know, I've gone to bat with parents about certain, certain things. And, you know, I, I explain my side. And then um, my school that I'm at now, it's amazing because we have, a, obviously, anti-racist pedagogy is within the, is embedded, but it's, we have mm -hmm. um, an ethnic studies pillar, or it's a part of our, our, our mission statement is to be agents of social change and critical thinkers. And, you know, when I read that, when I first got hired, I was like, yes, I found my place, right? Mm. Which is challenging and interesting. It has challenged me as a person a lot because it is a 100% uh, Latino school and I'm white. <laughs> so it's, you know, mm -hmm. which I, I acknowledge right off, right off the bat. And, you know, I teach Latinx artists, I teach Black artists, I teach, you know, across the board and, or just movements and styles as well. So I kind of like run the gamut. But um, I also think it's really important to go into my space and acknowledge my whiteness right off the bat. Um, mm -hmm. to name like, you know, because I remember I had a kid who 
came up to me, I think it was like the third or fourth week of school. And she was like, Hey, miss, like, you know, I really appreciate you being here. She was an eighth grader. She's this girl's awesome. I love her. I still talk to her. She's, she's, it was a couple of years ago. And um, she was like, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I didn't trust you at first. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, that's fine. I'm not gonna get offended by that. I was like, why? What, what, what you know, where, what's that rooted in? Right. And she was just like, straight up because you're white. And I was like, mm-hmm. I completely understand that. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. that could hurt some people. That could be a lot of questioning for some people. But for me, it was like, how do I continue to build this trust and know these kids are, are safe in my hands and we can we can understand each other, right? We can, we can learn on a human level while also still acknowledging color, because I think it's important Mm -hmm. to know that there, there's a beauty in the difference and there's a lot of cultural differences, but we can still kind of work together. I always, I compare it to like, um, if we're going to go with like an art comparison, like a mosaic, right? Like we have all these different pieces. They're not going to fit together perfectly, but at the end of the day, we're going to, we're going to create something out of it, right? There's going to be a message. There's going to be an image. There's going to be a purpose as opposed to like the whole like melting pot type of mentality mm-hmm. of like, we're all here for the same reason and we're all the same and blah, 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 blah. Like there's equity and there's equality. Right. Like we're going for equity here. And, you know, my community where I work has a lot of need and there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to say lack of resources or underserved because I think that term is overused for communities of color because there's a system in place that made it that way. Right. So, you know, I think it's important, like I said, to acknowledge that and make sure that they have access the same way other kids have access. And it goes to what I was saying before about just adaptability, right? Like just because we have Mm. these roadblocks in place doesn't mean I'm going to deny you that access. We're going to have to work a little harder. We're going to have to get a little bit more creative. But like, if you want to go to this museum and we don't have a bus for it and but you want to go see this like we are going to figure this out we're going to do something mm-hmm. about it right? i'm not going to just say like oh, we don't have the money sorry right right like, whatever material wise like you know mm-hmm. so that's been uh, it's a hugely important part and then like i said was with with ethnic studies across our organization i work in a charter um is embedded in everybody's curriculum and i've been working on the uh like the, the task force if you will on how to to do that and how to like work with teachers on how to embed uh, ethnic studies within their curriculum, even if it's math, mm-hmm. humanities, art, even PE. Like we want to mm-hmm. make sure that it's there, not in a forced way, just in a like acknowledging all humans, because we know that we have a very colonized education system and mm-hmm. uh, we want to just you know, make sure it's, you know, culturally sensitive, culturally relevant, and everybody can be served, right? Because it's gone on for far too long. Because I know my education system the education that I was brought up in served me as a, as a white student in a, in a privileged neighborhood. But the more I learned, the more I was like, wait a second, that, that didn't, that's not real. <laughs> that's not how that right. happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's those neighborhoods as well that so desperately need to be decolonized to be, you know, sure. like we need us, the white people <laughs> need to learn more about people that are not just like us. Exactly. And I, I say that too, mm-hmm. like, you know, my kids are like, they're dope. They can talk about so many different issues on so many different platforms. And like, but then, you know, they're also within their own bubble, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're in their own communities. And, you know, we have a lot of work to do as far as, um, you know, certain subject, tab- quote unquote, taboo subjects go. Mm-hmm. And I also think about, yeah, like the communities that I grew up in or the, the school that I had first worked in. And I'm like, oh my God, I wonder what the response would be if I was having this conversation with that group of kids. Right. And I'm like, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that other teachers are doing that in those types of areas. I know it's not easy, especially with parents. Like, Mm -hmm. 
And I just, I'm like, I'm hoping and I want to know where it's happening because like I said, I've joined these Facebook groups and obviously since George Floyd, where there was this uproar of, you know, anti-racist pedagogy, like becoming like a huge thing in everybody's mouth. Like that wasn't a term that most people were using, even though it right. said, and I'm like, and there was a lot of backlash against mm-hmm. it. Like I'll keep it out of mm-hmm. schools or whatever. And I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. understand that. I, I truly don't. It makes me so sad because I'm just like, you're doing a disservice to children. I'm not saying like mm-hmm. bringing your political views and like push that on them. But like when it comes to just human kindness and human understanding and equity like why is why wouldn't you want that in your classroom (laughs) right exactly and that that's not a political it should not be a political thing like if you think it's a political thing then (laughs) maybe you know there's something wrong with whatever politics you're following like even like the mask thing like Mm -hmm. i saw something um, online the other day that somebody posted cassie stevens did like a one of those surprise like mask selfie drawings and you know she puts everything Mm. up so somebody had used it and like parents were like flipping out at this art teacher for doing this like masked selfie drawing because it was political and all this other thing and I'm like what (laughs) because you're making sure your kids are not getting sick (laughs) like it has nothing to do with politics Yeah, I feel like it's easy, especially here in California, to kind of be in a little bubble <laughs> around that. Yeah, and I'm uh, also cognizant of that. Like, I can rant until the cows come home, but like, <laughs> my, my my beliefs aren't really being challenged either. So I would, I, would mm-hmm. I love getting into dialogue with people who don't necessarily agree with me because I'm like, help me understand because I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's so tricky. Yeah, I have heard from some teachers who are, you know, not here in California, who are in sort of a more conservative place, more rural, and are really struggling with these things. Like, you know, saying, I want to do better, but I'm scared. You know, I'm going to get backlash not only from parents, but from my admin. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I do? Yeah, it's funny you say that because we, we've been talking about that as a a staff recently and like how comfortable are you talking about you know race ethnicity gender mm-hmm. you know sexual orientation like any any of those subjects that normally you know some people are like yeah let's, let's talk about it in the classroom and some people are like oh how do I do this I want to I don't know how to and it's like how do we get to the root of that right like we we're all mm-hmm. running to talk to kids but it's like well what about teachers you know we have all these mm-hmm. pds that usually are totally useless like Right. Because that could benefit any content area. I feel like we need like a a workshop that like goes around and like talks to to students, talks to teachers about how to be comfortable with this types of stuff. But it's, you know, it's hard being a teacher. Being a teacher is not, it's hard enough. We have enough on our plates. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, I don't know if you know, if you've been following Adding Voices, that was started by another teacher here in LA. She started with a conference, but now they have a monthly newsletter sharing more curriculum, like lesson plans and ideas about adding voices. So you know, diversifying your curriculum. But I think the plan is to have another conference. And I think they just maybe recently shared that they're going to do a sort of mini version, like a symposium in the summer. So sort of alternating years with a bigger conference, but which is exactly that. It's like PD for art teachers around these issues. Amazing. See, someone, there's always a teacher who's already <laughs> yes, it who's like it. done it. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, damn it, I was going to be me, but also, yeah, I love that you did that. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, I definitely check it out. Yeah, they're amazing. 
It's uh, Flavia Zuniga West and um, now Sydney Snyder. So two other art teachers that are both here in LA. Awesome. Hey, listeners, I'm jumping in here because I have an ask of you. If you are enjoying the show, I would so appreciate your support. I'm humbled and grateful for all the interest in this show over the past several months and for the messages I've received letting me know that this podcast has resonated with you. It has been so inspiring to hear from you. Thank you. This podcast does take time, effort, and resources to share with you every week. And I want to, I plan to, keep it going and stay focused on highlighting and inspiring artists who teach while also continuing to grow this community and dreaming up additional ways to help you. One way to accomplish this is through direct listener support. Your support would really help the show and community grow. So I've set up a link where you can quickly and easily support the show. The whole thing will take less than 60 seconds. It's at anchor.fm slash teaching artist podcast slash support. You can contribute one, five or $10 per month. If teaching artist podcast is a part of your week and you love what we're doing, please consider visiting anchor.fm slash teaching artist podcast slash support, or just clicking the link in the show notes and supporting us in any way that you can today. And I had one question that came up for me earlier that I wrote down was that transition because you were at high school and then shifted to the younger grades. What was that like for you? <laughs> There's so <laughs> much similarity. No, <laughs> um, it was well when I was teaching high school. I also was teaching one first grade class. You know, oh. our schedules they always are just like, oh uh, yeah, take this as well so we don't have to hire someone else um so I had experience with with the little guys but I was really blessed in my my high school experience I taught advanced high school Mm -hmm. so it was the kids that have like really strategically gotten themselves there so it was such like an amazing like first three years of my teaching just because it was super chill like it was like you know, it was almost like a kind of like I was just continuing into my college life, right? I was only 22. Most of these guys were like 17, 18 years old. So like, Mm. it it was just this very like ideal situation uh, with the the high school kids. But little guys are are the best. They're the funniest people in the world. And I kind of had just I missed that. But you know, I I was that was I was teaching in New York at the time, because that's where I'm from. Um, And then I moved Mm -hmm. to California. And I was living in Orange County and it was pretty much impossible to get a job because um, it's like Long Island in New York where it's like once people are there, they don't leave. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's like and then mm-hmm. I moved up to L.A. and got this, you know, I just grabbed the first job that I could. And, it, you know, they had said it was kindergarten through through eighth grade. And I was like, huh, 
you know, I haven't done full time with, with little ones. And I was like, you know, I'll probably just stay there for a year. LA wasn't my first choice. I wanted to just kind of like check it out. And then that was four years ago. Because I just fell <laughs> so in love with the kids and like the community and um, the transition, the difference. Like, I, you know, I say I, mm-hmm. I do miss working with older ones sometimes just because I like really getting deep and I like, you know, like talking about things with them and like really, you know, kind of bringing out that, um, you know, that critical thinking, but we, you know, you can still do it with the, with the younger ones too. It's just, you know, you have to be a little bit more strategic and change your language, but it's all still possible. Like my curriculum hasn't really changed that much. And like the way I, I go about things, I definitely don't baby them at all. We have, we have fun. We, you know, it's not like a strict environment at all, but I definitely don't. I don't do like the, the cutesy stuff, <laughs> which is fine, <laughs> for some people, which is totally cool for some, some teaching. But that's just not my style as a person. So I'm not going to fake it for the kids. Yeah. So much fun. I'm goofy and silly, but like, you know, it's just a different style. Yeah. I think that's important too, just to be yourself, be authentic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's also, there's like this art teacher, like cliche, like, you know, like the the rainbow explosion art teacher, Mm -hmm. which I'm, I'm, I'm like that, I'm like half that, right? Like I have that side of me. Which I totally appreciate, and the the colorful and like the funny outfits and the the silly the silliness, which I love doing. But then there's also like the the person that wants to get down to business, right? Like we mm-hmm. we're, gonna, and we're also gonna like I have a high expectation for sure. So yeah, there's this, there's this juxtaposition of both worlds. Yeah, and then how does your art making? Yeah. You talked about how you bring the sneakers in when you're teaching, like that sort of your sink or swim kicks comes into your teaching a bit. Um, do you also make paintings or make other forms of art? Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish more. I'm sure that you can show that all the time. And I'm sure you can empathize. Um, oh, yeah. The sneakers always takes precedent just because um, I never, I'm rarely just making a pair of shoes just to make them. It's usually to fulfill an order. So there's right. a time limit, right? Like I don't want to keep anybody waiting for too long. Um, so that is the main priority. Um, I will take breaks from it though, because, you know, sink or swim is not my, my day job, right? It's not my, you know, where my livelihood comes from financially. So mm-hmm. I, I can take breaks. I can pick projects as I go. And then when I take those breaks is when I usually do some more like independent projects, right? So like I'll do some mm-hmm. paintings and it's usually something that will pop into my head. And it just, if it's gnawing at me, I have to do it right there and then like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not like this. I don't keep a sketchbook. It's been a really long time since I have. I tell myself every year I will do it. And it just doesn't happen. Um, so then, yeah, it's usually like, and especially with the pandemic, it's like, oh, I have this extra couple hours and this idea was in my head. Let me, let me paint it out. Um, mm-hmm. I recently did, my most recent painting that I did was a self-portrait. I had not done a self-portrait since college. And that was like mm-hmm. really really therapeutic to do and just kind of like dive into that style because I was like, I don't even know if I can do this, mm-hmm. right? Like I, my t- painting style has changed so much. The way I look at myself has changed so much. Like, let's see what happens. And it ended up being this like really cathartic experience where I was like, oh, mm. I forgot what it's like to just, just to paint. Um, yes. Because it usually is so rooted in a purpose for students, for something for work or for fulfilling a shoe order. Um, Mm. So the pandemic in that sense was a blessing because I've just been able to make, make art for the sake of making art, um, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure we we all get lost in after a while. So that's been really fun. Sometimes that leads to other things within your art practice. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
like just getting getting something out and almost I mean I see it almost similarly to what we were talking about before where you make a bunch of work and some of it is just crap but <laughs> it's good just to get out those ideas mm-hmm. and some of them might be gorgeous and amazing but then they also kind of lead you on to the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's still it's also always a learning process for me. Mm. You know, and I, 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 always, I, I talk a big game because I'm always like, I want to try this style and I want to try this style because I'm very rooted in my own style is very like portrait based, realism based. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want to try something abstract or I want to do these different styles. And I just never do it because then I become the student all of a sudden in my head. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so like, I'm going to mess this up. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then, you know. What, what's stopping me from playing? Like, why well, I'm telling the kids to do it, and then I'll almost put myself in that. I'll put myself in that position where I'm like, let's just Jill pretend you're a nine year old right now. <laughs> like, just you know, nine year old <laughs> is when it's like the, that doubt, that self doubt starts coming in um, mm-hmm. developmentally. So I'm like, just pretend you're in fourth grade and just go for it. And ninety percent mm-hmm. of the time, I'll throw it out. But I'm like, hey, at least I tried. Yeah, it's so hard to take your own advice sometimes. Oh God, yeah, it's a lifelong struggle. <laughs> Thinking about your artwork and your shoes. So I'm curious with the shoe business, maybe if you could get into more of like the nitty gritty, like where do you find clients? How do you sort of sell the shoes and run the business for people who are interested in in getting into that? Cool. It's funny. It's a huge world now. It's such like an oh. oversaturated market just for shoe customizing in general, like custom shoes mm-hmm. is is huge. And I I love that it has gone on the rise because I've watched it kind of from a distance, right? I'm not, I'm not a sneakerhead. I'm not necessarily in the world. I'm in, I'm in that world for the art artistry of it. Mm -hmm. So I have met these incredibly talented customizers over the years who do all different sort of things. And we have this like collective friendship for like these people who have done it for longer because it is such a common thing now. But yeah, so I don't, I don't make the shoe, obviously. I, I, right. I get it. Most of the shoes that I'm making are, are from Vans um, because they just offer a really, they're, you know, they're lower in price. The canvas is perfect to paint on. It's like ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done all sorts of shoes from boots to Nikes, all sorts of materials, but canvas is always just like, that's the niche that I've stayed in. And as far as clients go, I still don't really understand how this happens because I don't look for people. I like it's it's the beauty of social media, as we know, is a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. You know, it has become this giant Goliath of a of a beast in the last, even in the just last three or four years. Mm-hmm. It's, everything comes from there, right? So mm-hmm. I, like I said before, I started on a MySpace page, and you know, people just shoot me messages, and then transferred over to Instagram, and it's it's been kind of that's been the main platform ever since. Uh, it's just kind mm-hmm. of using the free advertising and using the word of mouth, which has been the biggest thing. And just kind of like contacting people. Well, I don't really contact people anymore. But like I used to like reach out to friends who were like in bands, for example, like all, m- mm-hmm. most of my social life is rooted in music. And um, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you're about to go on tour. Let me make this pair of shoes for you. No costs, no worries. Like and then they're going all over the country. So they're this walking advertisement. Right. Um, that was kind of where I started because I was still in school. I still wanted to kind of grow this. And then from there, it has totally sustained itself via social media. Like I'll just get messages on Instagram. Um, you know, just use, like when you make a post, you're strategic using like hashtags or whatever. I am the worst when it comes to this stuff. Like it is just <laughs> I've been very, very blessed in that. But, like there is definitely a science to it that I wish I had the uh, the focus and the patience for. 
so yeah, that's where, where clients come from is always just through through social media. I've never had a website as many times as I've attempted to do it. It just has never happened. So yeah, I've, I've really relied on just using that, those free resources. Yeah. Just putting yourself out there. like, And also just mm-hmm. making friends with, and people in different avenues and venues of like, oh, we can collaborate on this, right? Because it's like, yes, I have this ability to paint, but I'm not painting it in a traditional format. Mm-hmm. So like bridging the gap of like sneakerhead streetwear culture life and that world, and then also bringing it into the fine art world and bringing mm-hmm. it into the music world. And it's mobile, literally in so many different arenas. So it kind of just sustains itself in that way. Yeah. And I love how just looking through the shoes that you've done, how there's such a variety between this sort of more portraiture, more like pop culture, and then just like beautiful. I mean, the ones that I gravitate towards are like the flowers and succulents and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's pretty. (laughs) It's funny because so many people are like, oh, well, which ones do you paint for yourself? Which ones are yours? And I'm like, I don't don't make them for myself just because I'm like, I would never be able to like pick what I would want on a parachute. It's funny because I'm like, I'm covered in tattoos. Like I have put more (laughs) thought into what I'm painting on a pair of shoes or what I'm painting on a wall than I do on what's like literally permanent on my body. I don't know. It's this weird decision-making process. Mm. I think it's because I'm drawing it. So like I'm putting so much stock into like what I'm creating as opposed to like, Mm -hmm. you know, getting tattooed or something like someone else is doing it and I just trust them. Mm -hmm. It's funny how you can't really always trust yourself. (laughs) Yeah, there's another hard one. But I do have shoes Uh, for myself. Like I'll wear them to work every so often. Like we have like a theme going on. I'll make a pair and like, you know, just because the uh, kids love it. Yeah, that's awesome. And do you ever deal with like creative block with this? Or is it, I guess, especially if you're sort of filling an order, it's maybe easier to not get stuck like that. Yeah, it's well, yeah, that's the thing that a lot of the time clients are, are, I mean, I tell them, I'm like, you can just give me a general theme, and I can run with it. Or you can be Mm -hmm. as specific as you want. And some people are vague. And some people are like, I want this two inches above this, and it has to be this exact (laughs) color and yada, yada. And like those I don't like, because it don't have as much creative spin on it. But also like, you know, that's the the gig, like I'm filling your custom order. So like, if anything, Mm -hmm. I crave the freedom to kind of get that block. I, I kind of enjoy that block because I'm like, Ooh, this means it's on me. Right? Yeah. So like I like uh, to kind of make those decisions and get, get around those hurdles of like, Oh, I absolutely will hit it. Like where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and But then I, like, I go through this problem solving and like a lot of the work that like you've seen is rooted in pop culture. So like mm-hmm. I'll watch the movie that the person wants represented or I'll listen to the music right. or I'll, I'll do that side research to kind of like put myself into the fandom that maybe that they see that I might not necessarily get. Or when it comes to like my own stuff, that's where like the creative block happens. Or like I said, like I, that's kind of why I wish I, not wish, but I know I should keep a sketchbook because I'll Hmm. think of ideas and then I'll completely forget about them. Um, So like the closest thing I have to a sketchbook is on my phone. I have these notes that like seem like a crazy person wrote them. (laughs) (laughs) This thing hit me and I just like kind of thumbnailed, like noted it really quickly. And then I'm just, I'll go back to it. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> right. Uh, so. Especially if it's sort of a visual thing that you're trying yeah. to describe in a note app. Exactly. It, it seems like, like a mad scientist wrote it or something. Totally. And how do you kind of fit it all in? Like, what does a week look like for you? I will preface that I do not have children. So mm-hmm. I... I give all the credit in the world to parents out there who are working artists 
and teachers or all of the above or even just one of those things because mm-hmm. I finish my work day and like I have my dog who's the closest thing to a child and I'm like I don't even want to look at you right now. <laughs> like I don't want to take care of you. So that I will name that I, I have the, the time mainly because it's just me, right? So mm-hmm. I make the time and that's something that I, I would like to think I'll do if I eventually kind of grow a family. But um yeah, it's it's really because I'm I'm at the leisure of my own I'm my own worst enemy and I'm my own best <laughs> friend in the in the sense of <laughs> making time for work. But one mm-hmm. thing I, I will always preface with is like and I've I've gotten heat for this in the past because people are like, Oh, how do you make the time for this? And I'm like, because of work. Like let's say we're not virtual, right? Because virtual setting is totally different. Like my work day ends at four o'clock. Work mm-hmm. is staying there. Work is four o'clock and I'm I'm going home. Like, you know, occasionally yeah. of course things have to get done, but like I am very, very strict on my boundaries when it comes mm-hmm. to that. Um, because when I am at work, I pour one hundred and fifty percent in. So that when I, if I need to sustain that, I need to just leave it there. And, you know, again, of course, like I said, there's those afternoons or those evenings where you just, you have to bring in, there's things that have to get done, but like, I'm never going to be that person that's at the school till 6, 7 PM, just because I'm cleaning up or whatever, like, you know, it all gets done within the workday. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I've like been really strict on myself because in the beginning, obviously, you say yes to everything. You wanna you go over and beyond, which which is good, but it's not sustainable. So right. that's what I think. Like I'm a better teacher because I set those limits um, mm-hmm. for myself, at least. You know, there's some people that don't work that way, which is totally fine. But I just know that like if somebody calls me from work at a certain hour or on a Sunday, like I'm not picking up. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> you can shoot me an email, like, and there's nothing against anybody. I love my school. I love my community, but like I also got to take care of myself and make sure that like I have that time to work on me and continue to provide when the time comes. Yes. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially when you're juggling family and teaching and trying to have your own, you know, like side gig or art practice. Yeah, it can can be a lot. I think of my mom because she had said like, you know, my mom's an amazing artist and um, she had my brother and then she had me and then was just like, you know, she she grew up influencing us with art and like wanting us to be Mm -hmm. a part of it. But she was not making work. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I'll always ask her, like, why didn't she's like, because I, you know, I had a job to do. I had kids to raise. And like, occasionally she would make things here and there. But now since retiring and being the house being childless, she's like, you know, could start a museum at this point, like, which, uh, is, which I think is amazing. But I was just like, you know, I'm, thank you for doing such a good job at raising us. But it's also was like a learning experience for me is to like, don't go 30 years without making something, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I feel like as hard as it is to to manage it all, it's also your modeling for your kids, you yes. know, like showing, I hope that <laughs> I hope yeah. that I'm not just like neglecting my daughter. I'm showing her that I can, that a, a woman especially can have a job and still have like a passion that she pursues and still parent. Yeah. And being a mom is a job. Like, yes, know, I, totally. I don't think people give enough credit to that because I'm like, oh my God, it's, I'm in awe of, of motherhood. And I think it's Ugh. an incredible thing. And like, that's why I, I haven't done it yet. You know, because <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, I think that's so important. Like you were just saying, like you're honoring your daughter by honoring yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah. 
Thank you. I'll, I give you so much. I give you props. I'm like, I hope that comes through. Yeah, for sure. It does. I mean, even like the fact that you're doing this, right? You're taking it a step further. And like, this is incredible. I was, remember I was listening to a couple other episodes because I was like, oh, I'm just going to feel like what this this will be like. And it's it's been fascinating to like listen to other art teachers because like, you know, we're, we're so in our own little worlds. Mm-hmm. And like, it's nice when you read things what people post online, but it's like hear someone talk about it. And like every single person I've noticed loves this. Like they really love their job. Like, yeah, not many people can say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it's also just like my bias and who I'm <laughs> who I'm talking with. But yeah, I mean, I started this totally selfishly, like I need to not be on this island by myself. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I'm. I love it. I'm very grateful. <laughs> Thank you. I have a couple more kind of fun, like get to know you questions. Yeah. One: What are you curious about? <laughs> <laughs> big big broad question yeah what am I curious about I'm, my life is rooted in curiosity I guess um, uh, like if the saying was real and I was a cat I would have been killed a long time ago <laughs> I am curious by nature and not just with mm-hmm. art making in, in general I like to push myself to the limits and out of out of my comfort zone I kind of thrive mm-hmm. outside of my comfort zone and so I'm curious one thing I am curious about art making wise is something I've never done. I, I want to get into more like 3D work. Um, mm, yeah. Just, who knows? I, I could crash and burn at it, but I've always been really curious about um, like, uh, whatchamacallit, like vinyl work or like building like toys or like um, mm. creating like in, the, in that kind of realm, um, which I was always really interested, curious about. Um, I would love to get more into like woodworking, just like 3D art as a whole is something that's so mm-hmm. important to me. But I feel like it would be really, really fun. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, just, I love to just like build and do stuff like that. So definitely curious about diving into the 3D world a little bit more. Ooh. And then I'm also curious about what the heck is going to happen next in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Everything has kind of been on hold in the sense of like, you know, my, my curiosity is also very rooted in travel and like experience mm-hmm like that so like I'm also I'm always like I've everything has come to this screeching halt so like that is actually a really good question to explore I'm gonna end up thinking about this all day I'm like, what yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so broad I love you know like what are you curious about hmm lots of things <laughs> the origins uh, of the universe I don't know <laughs> right <laughs> all of it have a total, have a total <laughs> existential crisis right here oh no <laughs> Well, with the 3D work, I feel like, you know, working on your painting, but you're working on these 3D objects already. So like maybe there's already sort of a sense that you're using of, you know, how the image is going to work on this sort of object, how it's going to change as it moves, like all of those things. I I feel like you're probably already thinking about in your work. So it'll be interesting to see like what comes what comes next that's why I think I've stuck with the shoes and like I, I mean I do enjoy painting on canvas and 2d surfaces but like I think that's what it is I think I enjoy the the finishing off of the 3d object of like the decorating of it but now mm. I kind of want to make the object itself as well oh um, yeah so that that I think would be like a full encompassing like art making process as opposed to like I mean buying the shoes great but to not even necessarily a shoe, but like making some sort of structure that could also uh, has like a, like a utilitarian purpose and like mm-hmm. 
I don't know, just kind of run with it from there. I've thought about it. And I have friends who like are um, literally will like make shoes or can make all these different oh. things with different materials. So I'm like, how, I, maybe I can utilize that resource because I think our best asset is always collaboration. So yeah. definitely would like to uh, kind of explore that more for sure. So cool. I love that. Okay, fun little question. What is your favorite food? I'm the worst at this question. It's so funny. Like most people have a favorite food. Like I okay, for starters, anyone who knows me would definitely say something sweet because I have a horribly addictive sweet tooth. But my favorite food, I love well, I mean, if you live in LA, you you can't deny the the perfection that is Mexican food, especially getting like street tacos. Mm-hmm. So that has definitely become a favorite food since since living there. You know, I'm a New Yorker, so I love like pizza and bagels at the end of mm-hmm. the day, like all these horribly unhealthy things. Yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna go with tacos. Though. Nice. It's funny. I tried. I guess it was in December, kind of like taking stock of the podcast. And I made this these charts of like people's answers to things and tacos <laughs> to this question. I was like, every art teacher loves tacos. <laughs> They're delicious. <laughs> they are. I mean, who doesn't lo- like that's probably just across the board. Humans love tacos. Yeah, it's a spinoff of that one children's book because the dragons love tacos. That's a uh, favorite at our school. There we go. Then is there anybody that you would want to get? Give like a thank you or a shout out to? Oh, first and foremost, I would definitely shout out my kids at, at work mm-hmm. because like I said, I did not expect to stay in Los Angeles. It was just one of those mm-hmm. like life things. We were like, oh, I'm, you know, at the time 28, let me go live in LA. Let's see what happens. Um, <laughs> and then I love my kids so much. And, mm. and I, I don't say that with light, lightly, like the, the word love is definitely all encompassing um Hmm. so i definitely would always shout out my kids all close to 600 of them and it's funny because like i know every single person's name and i know exactly what they need and it's taken Uh. years of practice but you know i i really they're what get get me up and keep me going um Hmm. as well as my staff my my faculty at work and my my admin which it's definitely not a normal uh sentiment i'm sure um but like we we really have a really awesome team no Mm -hmm. you know definitely not perfect we have a lot of work to do but um it's been the most like collectively efficient group i've ever worked with where i can just completely Mm. be myself and we can really get a lot of awesome things done yeah that's amazing yeah my main shout out and then you know my mom and my parents. Yeah. <laughs> art wise, I'm really weird with my taste in art. It's it really runs the gamut. I'm really attracted to stuff that I can't do or I don't think mm-hmm. I can do or I wouldn't emulate. So, you know, there's a lot of artists that influence me out there. But yeah, I think my my main shout out would be to my kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. They're such an inspiration for us art teachers. Oh, for sure. And like the, my one of my favorite things is like how honest they are. You know, they I know we have like I have a good relationship with them, but like also like they'll they're not afraid to tell me what's up. Like if if I if they need me to do something differently or if you know we want if they want to try something or if I just straight up messed up, like they're ready to tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which I really I appreciate that. We need more of that in the world. Yes, totally. Okay, last thing, where can listeners connect with you online? The best way to connect with me online would be through Instagram at sinkorswimkicks. That's where I do like, I mean, that's where all like my my sneaker stuff is. But then also, um, you know, students, they're not supposed to, but they, they, they will correspond with me on there. 
just because I, I do like them for them to see the work, right? I don't promote mm-hmm. Instagram to my, my littlest ones, but my middle schoolers, I'm like, you know, I, here's, I, like, I always tell them, I was like, it'd be really unfair for me to tell you to make all this work if I also wasn't making work. So I let them, you know, if I'm like, if you have an account and you want to follow it, go for it. There's nothing inappropriate on there. I'm very strategic about what, what goes on there and what, what doesn't, just because I know that yeah. I am encouraging them to see what I'm making. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that would be the, the best place for anyone to connect with me to be at sink or swim kicks on Instagram. Awesome. And I will link to that too. Ah, thank you so much, Jill. This was really cool just to hear about all of the things that you're doing. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thank you. I guess like I, I could talk about this stuff all day long, but I never get a chance. Yes, <laughs> I know. It feels so freeing to actually like have somebody to talk to about it. Absolutely. I really appreciate it, Rebecca. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or Teaching Artist Podcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of teaching artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.